As nurses, we want to focus on the care we provide. And of course, that's important. But should we also be thoughtful about the barriers that a patient overcame to arrive to our care? Should we worry about if they'll be able to pay for the care we provide? I'm joined today by Chris Adams to learn more. Hi, and welcome to Nurse Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast where we discuss all things nursing, from patient care to advancing your career to navigating tough on-the-job issues. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Carol Pahatsky, Associate Chief Nursing Officer of Surgical Services Nursing. Like many of you in our audience, I've been a consumer of healthcare in addition to a practitioner from time to time. And thankfully, the handful of surgeries I've had in my lifetime weren't urgent, and they relieved the symptoms or structural issue they were intended to do so. But each time, I found myself reflecting about healthcare from a new perspective, from the other side of the stretcher, so to speak. Recovery from surgery is hard enough, but I had so many advantages. There was support at home for doing my PT exercises. I had childcare so I could focus on my own healing. I had money for food and medications. I had medical leave so I could take time off to rest and fully recover and not worry about going back to work and how the bills would be paid. The list could go on and on. And all of that before mentioning the biggest issue. I had health care that covered almost all the expenses related with each of these procedures. For far too many, those are advantages they are denied. In the county we're recording today in Cuyahoga County, for example, the lowest and highest life expectancy in Cuyahoga County are 23.2 years apart. In Wood Hill, according to the CDC, the life expectancy is 65.4 years, we're 1.1 miles away. In Shaker Heights, the life expectancy is 88.6 years. It's just unbelievable. So it's my pleasure with that in mind to welcome Chris Adams joining me today. She's the Associate Chief Nursing Officer for Care Management and Ambulatory Nursing at Cleveland Clinic. Although she has worked in a number of specialty areas throughout her 30-year nursing career, her experience in a free clinic inspired a special affinity for society's most vulnerable, many of whom are uninsured. Chris, welcome. I hope you'll start us off by telling us that story. Well, thank you, Carol, and thank you for having me. This is something I could talk about all day, <laughs> and it's near and dear to my heart. It's difficult to watch what's happening in healthcare today, particularly today. But as you mentioned, my background is in a free clinic. Mm -hmm. It was my first job out of nurse practitioner school. Really? And it was very eye-opening, to say the least. Okay. What I came away from that experience is the, the level of consciousness that I need to have as a medical professional on how the bill mm. is going to land on our patients. Sure. Because if you can imagine being ill, scared, sure. in the hospital, in pain, mm -hmm. and all you want to do is get your current issue resolved, yeah. and you do, mm -hmm. however, you experience the double whammy which is the bill coming in the mail. And it is the number one reason in the United States that we have bankruptcies is medical really? bills. This is a very real issue to our patients. And I think for a long time as medical care providers, whether you're a nurse or a physician or a nurse practitioner or PA, we've always prided ourselves on being payer agnostic, mm -hmm. meaning I am not going to look at what the patient's insurance looks like. I'm just going to deliver the best care and they're going to get better. Mm. Except when we close our eyes to 
what they're able to afford, we could often create oh, more stress. Sure. So we think we're providing unbiased care. Right. But in fact, mm-hmm. we're perpetuating some of the systemic issues yes. that come with entering healthcare. Indeed. Wow. Indeed. Okay. Well, let's dive right in. Okay. Though. Should patients receive different care based on their insurance status? Should they? Yeah. No. Do they? But they do. And we talk a lot about in care management, we call it freedom of choice. It's a Medicare COP, a condition of participation, where we are incumbent upon letting the patient know Mm. whom they are going to be engaging with financially as it relates to their health care. So for example, if they need to go to a skilled nursing facility, Mm -hmm. they have the freedom of choice to choose whatever facility they want. Seems like a good idea. It does, <laughs> except, <laughs> except not every facility charges the same, oh. has the same ability to accept insurance. They're going to get a surprise, right. and it's not going to be a pleasant one. No. And oftentimes, we're all doing it out of the goodness of our heart. Sure. We want our patients to go to the best places. Yes. But unfortunately, not all insurance supports all the different things that patients want and that we want for them. So this becomes somewhat of some moral distress, if you will, within the medical community, as well as within care management and social work on how we help these patients navigate to what is it we can offer you, which is a very different way of looking at Sure. And focusing towards those safe outcomes Mm -hmm. and making sure they get that. Yes. It may not come with the amenities, but it's coming with the safe care you'd want. Exactly. Exactly. And when you mentioned in your opening about the amount of support you had for your surgery, you know, you had people at home who could take care of you, neighbors that showed up presumably with casseroles. Sure did. All of those things support a healing environment. Unfortunately, so many of our patients don't have that social support. So not only do you have to look at their financial ability to pay, but you also have to look at that social support that's going to help their finances. For example, I had some patients recently I was seeing, and they are back and forth for all these appointments, and they don't have any family in the area. Mm. So I help them download Uber to their phone. Some can afford that. Others cannot. Sure. So that becomes an access issue Mm -hmm. and an access point. Yeah. If you have somebody in your family who's like, yes, I'll take off work and I can take you to the doctors or I can do the follow-ups with you, those are all things that cost money and time. Absolutely. And we have to think about that and assess for that as nurses, nurse practitioners, providers of health care. Am I setting them up for something they cannot do? Right based on what they currently have available to them. The the things that any patient has to go through to get to just even an intro appointment. Indeed, yes. All yes. those hurdles they had to had yes. to jump and we just think, "Oh great, you're here. Let's take care of you." But right. There are things we need to take care of to help them come back the next time. Uh, for yeah. sure. It's a domino yeah, effect. For sure. <laughs> so there's a lot in the literature and the media today about these social determinants of health, mm-hmm. right? And, and we could spend mm-hmm. hours talking about this, but along those lines, I'm a brand new nurse at the bedside, or maybe I've had some experience in my lifetime, but what should I be thinking about from my nursing perspective? 
to really identify some of those hurdles you talked about. So I'm really mm -hmm. making sure I'm, I'm that nursing philosophy. I'm tr treating the whole person and not their yeah. chief complaint or their reason for admission. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. So there's been a lot of focus on the social mm -hmm. determinants of health. And as we look towards 2024, CMS is really asking us to assess that oh, in our okay. patients. The issue is how are we going to act on whatever answer we get? <laughs> doesn't do any good to assess if you can't. It won't. If you yes. can't, yes. <laughs> so that's going to be our yeah. challenge. But as nurses, we can come at this with the philosophy that things like food is medicine. Mm. Housing is medicine. Transportation is access. Sure. All of these things start to frame up in our head as to what beyond just my teaching about the biological issue that's at hand, or mm -hmm. the medications at hand, or the follow-up that has been planned in the care plan. What other things do I need to look at globally to make sure that they can even deliver on this? Sure. And I, going back to my free clinic days, it was always so hard for me, especially with a diabetic, to impress upon them the need for them to not ration their oh, insulin. Sure. But they're looking at me saying, I can't pay the rent this month. Right. I can't. To healthy food. I, I don't have food. Right. I don't have. I mean, these were really real issues. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're issues that we face today even. You know, back in 2010, when I started in the free clinic and we were going through at that time the throes of Obamacare, you know, the Affordable Care yes. Act. It was a step in the right direction, and it was actually completed. The ACA was completed in 2014, mm -hmm. but we need to go further. Sure. It's time to look at this from a healthy perspective and how we're going to move patients to stay well. Yes. Because that is going to be going forward how we at least address some of these issues going forward. With any change, there's the unintended consequences you have to work through and sort yep. of the next step of it. And yeah, how do we get yeah. from what this current state is yep. to wrap around what we what we would want as patients, right? We want somebody to acknowledge, mm -hmm. you know, the things that I had to do to get to that doctor's appointment, again, are very, are minimal for me. Mm -hmm. But if I'm coming in tearful, I want somebody to say, gosh, Carol, what's going mm -hmm. on? You're, you're here for an allergy appointment. Right. <laughs> and I had it easy. Right. So how do we as nurses use every encounter to say, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing on this? Yep. I mean, I really come at this, you know, I just look at the struggles our patients have, even on a good day. So, and how do we help them navigate this, the complexity, first of all, of healthcare, plus you layer in all the social determinants of health that you mentioned. There's a really good reason why we're not in a good place in healthcare in this country. Sure. And it, did, it didn't start overnight, it and it's not, not. going to get fixed yes. overnight, but <laughs> yes. it's, it's so important that we're all in our own spheres doing what we can to make it better. Do you think it's important that a bedside nurse knows what kind of insurance their patient has, or the t whether they have it or not, or what type it is? Yes. Yes. And okay. again, this flies in the face of <laughs> yeah. a history of, I'm just going to take care of the patient the best way I know how, sure. irregardless of what it costs. The reality is, it all costs. We need to have a conversation around getting you out and what can we set you up with on the outpatient side. Now... 
care managers are often good at this. <laughs> Sometimes nurse practitioners can be facile in this, but it's something that we have to put in our tool belt as nurses sure. as part of these conversations. For those of you maybe who work in rapid OBS units, mm -hmm. maybe you don't know why they're cohorting these patients, and it is because of financial reasons, not only to the hospital, which of course is important, but even more so to what those financial implications Absolutely. are. The nurse carries an incredible yeah. amount of weight with the patient. Mm -hmm. They are looking to us mm -hmm. for that guidance and for that advocacy and for that answer. So I don't want to burden our nurses any more than they are, <laughs> but to be mindful of that, yes, we need to understand insurance. And within your organizations, figuring out how you can learn more, what resources you can tap into, mm -hmm. you know, are, are there triage guidelines, yes. are there call tree guidelines, so that that nurse who happens to pick up the phone isn't mm -hmm. out there flying solo, but has those resources, yep. Yep. those scripts, et cetera, so they, they really feel supported by their scope of practice, by their organization, yep. by those things, so they, they feel confident that they're giving thoughtful advice. Yeah. So if you're not already in your ambulatory practice, you should be following the Schmidt-Thompson guidelines. Okay. These are evidence-based guidelines. We use them in our electronic medical record. It's built right in, uh, and yeah. it's, a, it's an algorithm triage decision tree. It takes time mm -hmm. to go through it, but you have to take that time. And this is sort of getting off topic, but triage is one of the highly litigious areas oh, in nursing. Sure. So you have to make sure you get it right. And using those algorithms and guidelines and evidence-based practices is just the safest way to go. And sure. when you think about all of the different specialties of nursing, it, it, it becomes incumbent on all of us to think about our specialty mm -hmm. and learning it at least enough about insurance and payment to yep. be able to say... We need to be able to document the reason why that outpatient surgery patient is now spending the night. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. 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 <laughs> like it's the story we tell. Yes. And it's the story we tell that either helps or hurts the patient in that medical record. Because we have these fabulous nurses behind the scenes. Well, mostly they're nurses. They are in touch with the payers throughout the entire hospital stay. Mm -hmm of these patients and they're selling it to the insurance company that this patient either needs to be here or no I can't make a case for this right. and that is all based on documentation so the story we tell has huge implications on how a patient gets billed out and statused through their medical procedures for sure and being able to advocate with the providers, whether I'm in the yep. ED or the OBS unit or what have you, that mm -hmm. says, I hear you when you say clinically that patient needs to be admitted or they need to spend the night. But we need to document it. We need that. to document it. Can you explain to me so that I can be clear in my documentation? Right. How can I support this? How can I support this? Mm -hmm. Well, gosh, that 20 minutes went by so fast. We, oh we, could, talk, we could talk for ages about yes, this. But yes. I, I can't thank you enough for scratching the surface on some really important topics. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to learn more... Mm -hmm. about insurance payments in a way that's nurse-friendly. Any resources you'd recommend? So I would go to the Case Management Society of America. Oh, okay. They work a lot on the payer side okay. and understanding. The other one I use all the time is Medicare.gov. Okay. Any questions you have about Medicare, and we could go 
on and on because <laughs> I would love to talk to you about Medicare Advantage and what that looks like to patients, That's which is very we'll different. We'll do that another time for okay. sure. Yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll be quiet now, Carol, <laughs> and give you your podcast back. But thank you so much for having me. That's fantastic. Well, we're going to wrap up a little bit. You shared so much with us about your specialty of nursing, but we're hoping we could spend a few minutes talking to us about who you are as a nurse. We have some speed round fun questions oh, I'd like to ask oh, you. Oh, okay. Wait, let me buckle so, in. So, yes, buckle in. Okay, okay um, I'm ready. Let's see. We'll start with what's something you do for you to recharge? Oh, I love crafting. I have a craft room in my basement. <laughs> I spend as much time down there as I can, much to the chagrin of my husband. But if I can hot glue gun or cut something or yeah, create something, that helps tremendously. Excellent. It's an outlet for that energy. Let's say you're headed back to the, well, I know actually recently you headed back to the floor to help out at various points of the pandemic with bedside patient care. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite shoe choice for a long oh, shift? Shoe choice, Brooks. Yeah. Brooks tennis shoes. Yes, they're super lightweight and they have a memory foam cushion. Oh. All yeah. right. The other thing you have to be careful of when, and I forgot about this going inpatient, you cannot wear a lot of layers of clothes. Ooh, it's no. hot. <laughs> In those rooms, it's I hot and it's hot work. Yes, yeah, yeah. So lightweight shoes, t-shirt, max. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Chris, thank you so much for sure. joining us today. Thank you, Carol. As always, thanks so much for joining us for today's discussion. Don't miss out. Subscribe to hear new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, we want to hear from you. Do you have ideas for future podcasts or want to share your stories? Email us at nurseessentials at ccf.org. To learn more about nursing at Cleveland Clinic, please check us out at clevelandclinic.org slash nursing. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or legal advice. Consult your local state boards of nursing for any specific practice questions. Mm -hmm.